About Them Cowboys is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Now you know the Cowboys are hosting the Bills on Thanksgiving, and the Cowboys on Thanksgiving is really a tradition unlike any other. And let's just say you've had your turkey, you've had your pumpkin pie, and the in-laws start to get on the nerves. Hit up the Game Time app, check out those last-minute deals for the Cowboys game, and head on up to Jerry World for a better price than you could get elsewhere. And it couldn't be easier, you can do it discreetly underneath the table. Do it in two clicks, nobody will even know. So do yourself a favor this holiday, download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, and score some last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. I mean, no matter who the team, you know, we just, just got to keep stacking wins as a team. You know, good, bad, and ugly, we need to stack wins. Um, of course, we got to go back, look at look at the film, you know, because they made a lot of plays against the defense. Um, so we just got to go back and correct ourselves. But at the end of the day, we're just looking for a win, and the, the team did a good job of getting that today. Are you overly concerned about the defense right now? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! How about them Cowboys indeed? Cows win. Cows win. Well, it wasn't pretty at times, but Dak did what Dak does. Maher didn't miss, and the margin of victory was too large for even Jason Garrett to mess up as Dallas defeats Driscoll in Detroit 35-27 in Week 11 to gain control of the NFC East. Welcome back in to yet another explosive Instant Reaction Edition of About Them Cowboys. Kent Garrison here, the Carol Shelby of this podcast, as I welcome in our world-class team of Cowboys experts here at The Athletic to race their way into your hearts and minds. And first, recovering from his tryout for the 24 Hours of Le Mans, it's Saad Youssef. Hey, Saad. What's up, guys? How are we doing? And he's driving the pace car of all things Dallas Cowboys. It's Father John Mashoda. Hey, John. Hello, friends. Hello, John. And back in the driver's seat, it's Kevin KT Turner. And KT, the offense did its job against the Lions on Sunday, and I particularly liked how Kellen Moore called the game in the fourth quarter. They had success, and even when Mari wasn't having a great game, but I'm starting to think we should start calling the Hot Boys the lukewarm boys because the way they handled what's essentially a practice squad offense and Jeff Driscoll, Bo Scarborough, um, it was concerning. So my my main takeaway is that this defense needs to look at itself in the mirror because, oh yeah, Tom Brady and the Patriots are on the horizon next week. So what's your takeaway from this game? Yeah, after killing them, you know, after losing to the Vikings last week, I told myself no matter what the outcome, as long as it was a win, no matter how uh, ugly or whatever happened in the game, I told myself I was going to stay positive as long as they got the win, and they did. So I'm going to stay positive. But yes, you would not like to give up 27 points. And there were a couple times where you were frustrated with the defense. I, I do like that you mentioned uh, them because I, I uh, the, the Hot Boys because I think late in the game there was a time uh, where they needed those guys to make a play. And Malik Collins got a big sack late in the fourth. And then Demarcus Lawrence put pressure. And before you know it, it was fourth and 26 for the Lions. And they kind of didn't really have a chance from there. So they came through when they needed to most at the end of the game. 
didn't get turnovers. But, you know, I kind of looked at it as, hey, let's just kind of turn the page, get out of Detroit. That's a scary game to me in Detroit at noon, a little early game. Um, so my takeaways were, hey, doesn't matter. No matter how ugly it was, let's just move it on because we've got a big old fish to fry next week in Foxborough. Yeah, I was going to say in that first half there, um, especially with the way the game started, I was starting to think this just looks like all the other terrible starts that the Cowboys have had. And for them to sit there and fumble on the second play, I just thought that was a bad omen for the rest of that game. And then to have a guy like Bo Scarborough is going to run all over them. Uh, There's just like a lot of things that happened in that <laughs> game that it's like, yeah, you get the win. But when you look at like on the, the game book that they give you at the end of each game, it has like the 10 longest plays that each team's had. And it just is ridiculous how many... Jeff Driscoll, 49-yard pass. Jeff Driscoll, 39-yard pass. Jeff Driscoll, 25. Bo Scarborough, 23-yard run. Like, I don't know. Maybe they didn't get up for this game like they will for the Patriots. And obviously, Tom Brady's not going to get out of the pocket the way Driscoll did. Um, But I just, I didn't think that they were going to give up this many points on defense. Well, I think like the the fumble, which happened on, you know, the second play of the game. Let's just kind of start running through the game real quick. Yeah, that happened. And then they did get it. And it was very quickly... You know, run the ball, like you said, Bo Scarborough. And overall in the game, the Cowboys gave up, you know, 4.3 yards of carry. They're all numbers don't look impressive for the Lions. 15 of 26 for two touchdowns uh, for Driscoll and 210 yards. Bo Scarborough, uh, you know, running for 55 yards on 14 carries. But, you know, they only averaged 4.3 yards of carry, which you can get away with. You want it to be a little better than that. Maybe you can get away with it. But, yeah, in the end, 27 points do show up no matter what. Um, you know, the Cowboys are now turning into a team who today they had 71 offensive plays. Dak threw the ball 46 times. That is going to affect time of possession a little bit. Um, and there was a couple of drives that the Lions had where the Cowboys just couldn't get off the field like we've kind of seen all year. And you can get away with that in the long term if you are at one of these teams who finds a way to get that turnover that, uh, you know, prevents points from getting on the board. Uh, I think we've seen this a lot with teams like Green Bay. We've seen it with Baltimore, New England. Uh, you know, the 49ers are a good defense, obviously. Seattle does this every once in a while. These teams who give up kind of these long drives, but they bend and don't break. They get turnovers. The Cowboys don't do that, and I've given up expecting them to do that. Uh, but, yeah, getting down 7 nothing was really ugly. And then, you know, here we go again on the second drive. They couldn't really get going. They punt it to the 50-yard line. The Lions have great field position. And then they get the ball back, though, uh, and finally settled in. And they settled in in that third drive when Dak goes 6-for-7 for for 66 yards. Um, He ends up taking a sack on third and goal when the Lions brought a blitz. They get a 30-yard field goal, but the Cowboys had a 14-play, 74-yard drive, and you quickly learned that they were in rhythm and that the way to beat the Lions today was going to be through the air. And it was that third drive to me, even though they only got three points, to me that drive was very telling for how the rest of the game would go because it really did set the tone for the Cowboys' offense that ended up putting up 500 yards in that game. Yeah, I think it did. And also, I think, you know, when you talk about what what that kind of did, I think it showed that how much in command Dak really is because Zeke, I mean, this has been a recurring theme, especially lately, where you know he hasn't been on lately, and I think we've we've been seeing that between Dak, uh, D- Dak's been really good, and that's been consistent. But also, Amari Cooper wasn't a huge factor today, and honestly, that was kind of encouraging in a weird way. That 
you know, Amari doesn't have to be the first 100-yard receiver on the team in order for a second 100-yard receiver to emerge. And I think, KT, what you're talking about early in that game, Dak Dak and the offense and the air attack kind of set the tone. Um, It kind of all blurs together, but I know, like, you know, Gallup had that that big catch down the left sideline first. Um, yep. And I know we'll get to that spectacular catch that he had down the right one a little bit later. Uh, and then Cobb down the middle, Cobb down the left sideline. Like, you know, the, the second and third receivers getting involved, that was very encouraging. And I think, like you said, the identity is, you know, kind of changing a little bit. And and I think that's a, that's a good thing because the running attack is one of those things where whenever you do need it, it'll still be there for you. And I, I think it's going to be an interesting thing. And we're, I'm not going to spend time talking about the Patriots today. The Patriots did beat the Eagles, uh, and that's who we have. But I think that's the, uh, an interesting long-term philosophical question that's going to come into play, and it will start with a chess match this week. The Lions and the Vikings, well, you could tell by their defensive uh, setup that they were viewing the Cowboys as a run-first team, and they were going to try to take away Zeke, and that was their number one goal. And I'm interested to see what the Patriots' plan is because – you know, I, I, I don't know if there's still resistance from the Cowboys. I think the 46 throws from Dak will kind of tell you maybe that resistance is starting to to fall or maybe it's circumstantial based on, you know, what happened during the game. But the Cowboys played like a passing team once they found out that's what was working. And it's they kind of did that a little bit last week. They didn't do it in crunch time when it really mattered. But they realized today our identity is going to be to – pass and we can win in the air we can win by putting all of this on deck if these teams are going to take away Zeke and I'll be interested to see how the Patriots handle that next week if they're viewing the Cowboys as a passing team or a running team yeah well when you got a Lions defense that's going to sit there and they give up 130 yards per game on the ground I'm sorry but I just still think you need to have more success running the ball than the Cowboys did I mean I think Zeke's longest run was yeah. like eight yards his longest run last week was was six yards that's that's the other thing that's alarming about is like like Dak can continue winning these games with his arm, and I don't think that's going to be a problem. But like, do you guys really see this team, you know, going on the type of run they have to do the second half of the season and making a long playoff run without the running game being a significant part of any of these wins? Like, you think Dak's just going to throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns every game? I mean, teams are going to adjust to that. So that's why I thought it was interesting that you saw Tony Pollard out there a little bit more and then working him in there trying some different things there to try and get it going. You finally saw the screen game work, uh, you know, later in the game with Zeke on that touchdown. So I think that they're trying different things because it's not only like you can't just, everybody wants like an easy answer. Like, Oh, just Zeke doesn't look right. Well, no Zeke probably doesn't look as good as he did his rookie year when a lot of these teams didn't know what to expect from him. And he was fresh out of college. The offensive line is not as good as what it was a few years ago, even though, you know, it's looked at as having all these pro bowlers on it. And then a lot of the runs are just kind of boring and there's just not a lot of variety to it. It just seems like you're seeing the same thing from week to week. So I thought seeing Tony Pollard out there was kind of a a good move there to try and maybe mix some stuff up. And maybe that's just a preview of maybe more to see going forward. Maybe they're going to find more ways to kind of work him in the offense so that it's not the same old thing where it's like everybody knows, hey, we're going to see Zeke get 20 carries. You know, 12 of them are going to be right up the middle. No, I think that's a good point. I guess what I would say is, and again, I don't know how much responsibility you want to divvy out on who's in charge of the offense and all that stuff. Like, we know Kellen's added a lot of stuff. For everything Kellen has added in the passing game, we have seen a lack of creativity in the run game. We've seen some very basic plays in the run game, um, you know, that make you go, man, gosh, if they would just do a little more there, maybe that would open up a little bit bigger hole. 
It seems like they've spent so much time adding different elements and, and concepts to the passing game that you weren't seeing this year. And quite frankly, if you had to tell me it's in the either or thing, then I'll take that trade off all day long because you know, we saw more crossing routes today than we saw all of last season. Like, like he's added so much in the passing game um, that, you know, if I have any bone to pick with Kellen regarding how the Cowboys are using their run game, I'm kind of just okay with it because of what he's added. And eventually I think we'll get both, right? Hopefully we'll, we'll get a little more creation. And today is, is kind of interesting because they're down 7-3, then they go on a 7-play 70-yard drive, which ends with a Tony Pollard 21-yard touchdown pass. And he got a couple carries in that drive as well. Um, but that was a really great play by Tony Pollard, and that's kind of how you want to see him utilized in, in different ways like that. That's kind of the ideal way we wanted to see Tony utilized. Absolutely, and 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 you know, John hit on it, and John, I know we were we were we were sitting next to each other last week when Garrett, you know, uh, in the press conference after the Vikings game, he basically said Pollard was supposed to be part of the Vikings plan as well um, for the Vikings game, but for whatever reason. Uh, to get Zeke going, whatever it was, it just kind of didn't go that way. And it was nice to see them, you know, that it wasn't just lip service by Garrett last week and he actually came back to it and got Pollard involved because he just adds a different dimension in the fact that even the defenses are a little off balance because they don't know what to expect from Pollard, much like, John, what you just said, that defenses didn't know what to expect from Zeke his rookie year. Well, it's Pollard's rookie year and they don't know what to expect from him right now. So, I think, you know, he adds a totally different dimension. And we saw it uh, specifically on that drive that ended with his touchdown catch. You know, and it's 10-7. Uh, the, the Lions didn't go score, make it 14-10. Driscoll had a 10-yard run in that drive. And he also had a uh, a play Well, he had the touchdown play. I mean, this is after Bo Scarborough has a 23-yard run to get inside the five-yard line. And then Driscoll scores. Uh, touchdown basically on a on a keeper right there, and that made it 14-10 Detroit. Uh, there's a couple areas I do want to comment on right here on the Cowboys defense. Darian Thompson had been good flashing, uh, you know, filling in for Jeff Heath, and today I thought Darian Thompson was kind of exposed as like a guy you don't want to count on to be your full-time safety because there were some plays that he'd missed some tackles in the run game. He missed some tackles in the pass game. Give up a couple plays in coverage. And Xavier Woods missed a couple tackles that I thought were important on Bo Scarborough, including on that 23-yarder where he could have came up and kind of laid the lumber on him a little bit, and he kind of just kind of stayed back on his heels. I didn't think the safety play was very good for the Cowboys today, and I think that kind of reiterates something that we've been talking about. That's something that we would like for them to invest in going forward. I don't know that any level of their defense has really played well at any point in this season, other than I do like the upside, especially like late in the game. You could see it when, obviously, the Lions had a score. You knew they were going to throw – you like the upside of having that defensive line with Malik Collins and Michael Bennett and Robert Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence all out there together. I think that's a that's been that's shown you some upside there. But like you're talking about missing the tackles and that like Cheeto wasn't great today. Um, Byron Jones, you know, he doesn't get targeted as much, but still, like I mean, he's not causing any turnovers on the back end. Uh, you know, the linebackers were they had they'd have a play where it was like. Oh, that kind of looked like Jalen and Layton from last year. And then there'd be other plays where it looked a little bit more like what we've seen this season early on. Yeah, I, I thought Tank and Quinn were both really good today. Uh, so I think the defensive ends, I think most weeks when we do this podcast and reviewing the game, I think most weeks, aside from kind of that first month of the season where Tank was kind of getting back into shape, like I think 
Quinn and Tank each, I'm pretty much coming away happy with how they've played all year long. Like, that's the strong point of that defense for sure, right? I mean, we are we agree there? Like, we're good there, right? Yeah, no, yeah, no I doubt. Think so. but the thing I wonder about, though, is like, so you think that those guys are all going to eat against someone like Tom Brady, who's not going to get out of the pocket very much, but then you just look back at this Vikings game and you're like, well, he can just do the quick game because that's what Kirk Cousins was doing, and they can just bury you that way. because. So it's like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that even though you have a really impressive defensive line, like good quarterbacks are going to find ways to like expose that if the rest of your, your back end of your defense isn't stepping up. And up until this point, they really haven't done that consistently enough. Yeah, and also on 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 Jeff Heath, I like all, all I'm saying is that quote: "Absence makes the heart grow fonder." Man, that was true today because I mean we've seen a lot of complaints about Jeff Heath when he is on the field and stuff like that. But when when you just look at the secondary, I mean, like you said, the safety position needs to be addressed going forward. But Jeff Heath was I, Darian Thompson was not an upgrade on Jeff Heath, so um, he he was definitely missed out there. He absolutely was. So the Cowboys get the ball back. It's 14-10 at the time. And then they go through and they score, uh, kind of take it down at the end of the half. They get a uh, touchdown to make it 17-14. to Zeke runs it in for one yard. Uh, but the Cowboys did a really good job on that drive of kind of scoring before the half. Uh, really scoring before the two-minute warning. They got a chance to score again before the half. So um, they uh, had Dak run it for 10. They hit Jarwin on a crosser. And then hit Gallup on a deep ball for 41 yards on third and nine. One of the bigger plays of the game, an inspirational play in this game. Um, And that set up Zeke for a couple carries, an eight-yard gain, and then a touchdown to give the Cowboys the 17-14 lead. I I think we could all probably look at a lot of plays in this game that worked, but I think that that play to Michael Gallup is probably, uh, in my opinion, probably the play of the game. Would you guys agree? Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially when you know the backstory of how this was the one year anniversary of his brother uh, killing himself. Uh, and it was on a Saturday um, and, and the team was in Atlanta. And so his family didn't want to tell Michael because he had to play in the game. And so then I'll never forget being in that locker room in Atlanta when like his sister was in like a, a, a separate room uh, in the locker room so that she could tell him face to face that his brother had just died. And so uh, you could just tell like everybody on the team like really like knew about that, that this was the one year anniversary um, going into that game. And then you just see the way he played in the game. Obviously, he, uh, he was he was very motivated. I mean, he had over 100 yards in the first half, but there's no question that that was that was the highlight play of the game, especially when, you know, you were kind of looking for something, something big to happen there. Uh, and I just feel like it would just came at like the perfect time for them to kind of you know, kind of get rolling. And, and obviously it, it ended up being a big play for them there. But uh, no, after the game, you know, in talking to him and that, like he wasn't, he wasn't like, he wasn't sad, but uh, you can tell it's something that that's like really been on his mind. Cause I guess his brother's uh, birthday was uh, last sure. week. And, you know, so, um, but it was, it was evident that this game meant a little bit more to him than other ones. Yeah. And also, uh, John, you were there, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he run the wrong route on that on that? Play? He did. Yeah, he said that uh, <laughs> he said that it was it was the wrong. It, he didn't say what the route was he was supposed to run, but obviously it couldn't have been that far off or Dak never would have got to that part in the read. Um, but yeah, so that's what he said. So when he was when he was juggling up in the air, he said, he, I mean, that was even more motivation. Like, I better come down with this because I'm going to get just torched because he was in the wrong spot in the field. And and. Let's be honest, like, I don't know if the TV copy caught this, but, like, there were a couple plays tonight. Like, there was this one where I can't remember which receiver. It was actually it was Amari. He ran, like, a crossing route to the corner of the end zone. And then here's J- yeah. Jamez Olawale 
going up the sideline too to the same exact spot where it's like you should never have two guys in the same exact spot like that. So it kind of makes me wonder sometimes like when these plays break down, like we just assume that everything is, everyone goes exactly where they're supposed to, but there could be a little bit of, you know, just, you know, free open gym type basketball being played out there. And, And maybe that's when Dak said his best. Maybe it is, yeah, because that was some awful spacing on that play you're talking about. Um, and then the Cowboys get a stop. They get the ball back with 156 left in the in the half. Uh, and then they go Dak to Gallup for 10, Dak to Cobb for 49. That puts you inside the 25-yard line. Dak to Witten for 5. And then Dak to Cobb over the middle for a touchdown. Just an excellent throw on the money. Could have been an, an emergency room ball as Cobb got hammered uh, on the play. But the Cowboys scored. It's 24-14 uh, at the half. Just an incredible uh, sequence right there by the Cowboys to get into the locker room up by 10. Randall Cobb was huge today. Uh, and obviously Gallup, you know, the star of the offensive, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, from the receiver group uh, today. But Cobb, great as well. Uh, Cobb goes for four catches for 115 yards and a touchdown. and That 49-yard play. And I, I couldn't help it. I tweeted this out earlier and, Gets a lot of reactions. And no disrespect to Cole Beasley, but Cobb, because he's been here, uh, because the nagging injuries have have kind of gone away over the last couple weeks, you're seeing what kind of upgrade he is for this transitioning offense because he can play on all levels of the field. You were not going to see a play last year where you hit Cole Beasley and Cole Beasley is able to run it after the catch for 20 yards and make it a 30 or 40 or 50-yard play. Cobb adds that dynamic to the offense, and I think – that's where in a transitioning offense like this is, I think Cobb is such an upgrade over Cole Beasley. And there, and there can be more there, too, because in talking to him after the game, you know, he was quick to point out that it's not like a him and Dak thing that all of a sudden they're clicking. Because I'll tell you, just from going all the way back to OTAs and minicamp, like they were they were on the same page from like the very first practices. I was like surprised. It was it reminded me of how quick Dak and Amari were on the same page when they when Amari got traded in the middle of the season. But in talking to Cobb after the game, he talked about it. it was more about the coaching staff. He feels like that they know that they were having more of a comfort level of how to use him and finding different ways to use him. And so when he says that, that's what I'm kind of thinking of is just like maybe they at first brought him in to be like, well, this is he's going to feel fill this Cole Beasley role. But then now as kind of things have progressed, it's kind of like they realize, hey, he can do even more than that, especially with the downfield stuff. We need to open this stuff up more and utilize more of that because we just didn't see, like we would see downfield passing with Cole Beasley in training camp and they would talk the, a big game about how he's going to be used more in that way. And then it would get to week one and it would just go away. But it seems like that they feel like there's just a lot more confidence in, in Randall Cobb being able to execute that part of the game. Yeah, and I think with Cole, if I recall correctly, just in in my time watching him and and everything like that, it was just every time he caught something downfield, it was it was when Dak was rolling out, when Dak was in, like you know under pressure and and things had kind of fallen apart. I don't think there were a ton of like designed Cole Beasley run a post route. You know what I mean? Like like it comes to mind when Cole Beasley caught the game winning touchdown against the Giants last year. Again, that was when Dak was rolling out. Things had already fallen apart things like that. But now Cobb provides that element where, uh, especially with Amari doing what he's doing and then what Gallup is now doing. And, and then, and then if you add Cobb to that, it's just, there's so many different weapons downfield that it it just opens up the offense that much more. This drive out of the half really grinded my gears. Cowboys lead 24, 14. Then the lions go 10 plays for 75 yards. They end it with the Marvin Jones touchdown. Uh, You had a big play on third down where Marvin Hall got loose in zone coverage and, 
was kind of alone. It looked like that was on Xavier Woods and uh, Darian Thompson as well for Marvin Hall to get loose deep down the field. Also, J.D. McKissick was huge today, and that's where I kind of get worried about next week in the Patriots where you're going to get a lot of James White and Sony Michelle, and you're going to get Rex Burkhead and all those guys that they're going to throw it to out of the backfield. He That was kind of a thorn in their side. Is receivers out of the backfield continue to be a problem for this defense. I, 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 hey, I completely agree. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, 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 sorry. Yeah, no, I kind of left, left you hanging there. It's 24-21. So Cowboys get it back. They end up getting three to make it 27-21. They hit Cobb for 33 on play action. Um, they had a big third and three where Dak, I think well, we've talked about Dak's footwork. We've talked about his command at the line of scrimmage. We've talked about his accuracy, which I thought was an overrated narrative. One part of Dak's game that I just continue to be really pleased with is his escapability. He's always been a mobile quarterback. He's always been agile. He's always been able to to kind of create on the fly. But his escapability, his pocket presence and awareness has really improved as well. And there was a huge play on that drive where he scrambled back and then out to the left and ended up running for about 10 yards to get a first down, which, you know, got them another first down that was important that led to a Maher field goal. So that made it 27-21, even though the Cowboys were only able to get three. It was really huge to get points there. And Dak's play to get out of the pocket and run was was very important, in my opinion. Yeah, KT, and it's funny you bring that up because it, that was on my mind uh, throughout the end of the game, too. It just is escapability. It's fun. So, I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm glad that your, your mind went there, too. It's just, you know, the one thing with Dak also when he does escape is like, and and it concerns me a little bit is, is that, you know, sometimes he he has those like blind spin outs to the left. I'm just like, at some point, I feel like there's just going to be a defender there waiting for him sometime. Like, you, you know, you know what I mean? Like those, especially that spin out where like, I think it was his rookie year where he hit Witten for a touchdown in overtime against the Eagles. Uh, that kind of a spin out, like it, it, it's a little scary sometimes, but I mean, he's gotten so much better with what just how he gets out of the pocket like that, it's it's been pretty impressive. So the Cowboys now leading 27-21. They get a stop, get the ball back. They go 11 plays, 84 yards. John, your thoughts on that screen pass on third and eight to Zeke and uh, Zeke's ability to get in the end zone? Yeah, that's why I feel like as, as tough as everybody wants to be on him, like he still shows you enough plays where you're like, if they can just find ways to get him in some type of space, like he still has like an ability to make these big plays. It just, there's not a lot of room out there. And I understand, I mean, I've seen all the tape being cut up lately, you know, Brian Baldinger and other people, you know, pointing out how he's not the same back and things like that. I just don't know if there's been a ton of space for him either. Um, but it was just funny because I think you were there, Saad. Like I asked him uh, on Wednesday, you know, where's the screen game been? Because that was always the call. He would hit those, he hit that home run, Couple years ago, against the uh, the Forty uh, ers Well, that was his rookie year. That was the oh, first yeah, one, yeah. and then the yeah. second year he hit it against San Francisco. Those are both seventy plus yards, you know, to the house. And he joked around. He called them like Linehan specials. Well, the new offensive coordinator clearly has a lot of Linehan in experience. I mean, that's what he's been around just about as much as any other coach. And it was just kind of like, why hasn't that been working for them? And so he said that you know they're not as committed to it, and it might have something to do with that they're having more downfield success passing the ball to you know guys like Gallup and Cobb and Amari than maybe they've had in years past where it was maybe more just Dez uh as, as your only like home run type threat guy so maybe they needed it a little bit more but when you've seen it today you're just kind of like how is that play not be not being run more often um but I mean credit to Dak too because he had to hold at least an extra second longer for that to sell that because 
He's yeah. So t- okay, so talking to Kellen Moore after the game, he said that there were calls for several screens, but they've given Dak so much leeway now that if something changes at the line of scrimmage, they allow him to change it. And so Dak changed out of two or three screens earlier in the game. But that was the first time that that uh, that Detroit sent an extra guy. And so as soon as he saw that, he was like, I'm not adjusting out of this play. And so obviously it worked out. But I mean, he just gets out just a second early. And that's why the throw wasn't absolutely perfect. Um, but it was because of the read that he saw and because um, Detroit brought five guys. That's why it worked. Because when you do that... That's why, because there were key blocks on that. Witten downfield, Martin had a really nice block, Travis Frederick. We just haven't seen a lot of that, and that was such a strength for them a few years ago. Absolutely was. 35-21, then a five-play 75-yard for Detroit. This this is another defensive drive that will kind of make you unhappy because it's the game's over, you can end it right here, and then they just let Detroit go right down the field. Five plays, 75 yards. They get a touchdown to make it 35-27. Hey, they do they, Yes, sir. Let me just say, let me mention one play real quick. Um, uh-huh. The previous drive, if if there's any knock on Dak, it's that deep ball to Tavon Austin when he was covered by Darius Slay. Yeah, and 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 Tavon Austin knocking that away. Like Dak even said every game that he even said to to uh, Tavon that that might have been the play of the game. Like Tavon had a, had a layout for that. The, that's a little bit worrisome sometimes because. Dak, when he's feeling good, he's tried that multiple times this year, and a couple times they've ended in interceptions. And if you just think Miami if, play, right? And if he throws an interception there, it's not like this was some blowout. Who knows how different things might have gone there? I'm not saying they would have lost the game, but that's yeah, that's like an no. under under the radar kind of play that Tavon Austin made that I was kind of like that could easily went the other way. He had two interceptable passes on that drive too, because that was the same drive where he threw it. He was trying to he tried to get to Amari Cooper. And, oh, that's right. Hey, and, and that was Darius Slay, too, which is wild because those yes. two dudes were in the same recruiting. They That was the one I've told you about before, that recruiting class that him and Dak were in together. That was just It's yeah. amazing that Mississippi State was able to pull that. Preston Smith was in it. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, he knows Darius Slay really well, but you're right because he had the one to, that got tipped by Darius Slay that probably should have been an interception that went to Cooper as well. And I do want to give you know the defense a little bit of credit because they did come out and get a couple uh, – uh, the big sack by Malik Collins – was huge on that Lions final drive where it was 35-27. But real quick, I want to ask you guys, because we're going to wrap it up pretty soon, but real quick, you had a chance. Did you guys agree with the decision to punt for the Cowboys? Or did you were you on board for another Maher 57-yarder to try to go up by 11? Because I was very much, I will say, before that happened, I was all good with Maher going out and attempting a field goal because it's Driscoll, because it's a touchdown and a two-point conversion situation. I thought the odds were kind of good to get a stop there, but I still like the idea of kind of going and putting them away. Um, what, did you, what did you guys think about the Cowboys' decision to punt right there when it was 35-27 and they had the ball on the 40 and it was fourth down? I was surprised. Yeah, I mean, that. Yeah, I, me I was just surprised because actually Maher, it's funny, Jason Garrett got caught saying earlier this week that Maher's been – so good at home. It's really, Meyer's been really at his best on the road, especially in, indoors. So um, I was surprised that they didn't. I don't have a problem with it, but I was just surprised with the way Jason Garrett has said he's had so much trust in Brett Maher that they didn't at least attempt it there. Yeah, well, maybe they- I, I definitely thought, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not, I can't speak in hindsight because it did work out to punt, but I definitely, yeah. I definitely expected them to do a field goal and that's kind of what I was going for. Yeah, it's kind of what I would have done, but you know, it's one of those things too, where who knows what Garrett was thinking? Maybe one of those subliminal messages where it's like, "Hey, man, here you go, defense. We trust you guys. 
we trust you guys right here. We'll go get the stop. So we're just going to punt it away. So I thought that was an interesting moment. And those are those tough decisions that I think coaches really shouldn't get killed for because that's, you know, that's a tough one right there. Either way, it ended up working out. Um, so 35-27, uh, last question, and then you guys can uh, have your closing thoughts. Uh, Lyle Collins, do we have any vibe on how severe that injury was? I don't, but so when you first walked into the visiting locker room, like on the left is, it just was this room where the door is wide open. And I look in, it's like on the, on all the tables, it just like Zach Martin, Lyle Collins, Amari Cooper, like just like, oh, every good player that's on the guy. So there's, they're, they got nicked up in this game for sure. I mean, I will say this. It was it was a good sign to see Demarcus Lawrence come back because the way he was laying on the turf for a while there and the shoulder injuries he's had in the past, that didn't look good. But he seemed fine. He was in actually pretty good mood after the game. But I I, I have nothing on Lyle. And, and one of the reasons why is that uh, this is one of the rare games where we didn't get Jerry Jones after the game. Um, I don't know if you guys had heard him on Friday on the radio and uh, doing his morning interview on the fan, but – he wasn't feeling that well. You could tell he had like a cold or something. So he actually uh, got out of here like right after the game. And so normally Jerry's the go-to on that because he'll talk to the training staff right before he talks to us and he'll give you something. And Jason Garrett was just real vague on where it was um, when he talked to Lyle. And that's not, Jason's not the type to really share any details on it, but uh, sure. Uh, honestly, I, I we really won't know in, un, until it's tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you, you hope that he's fine because he's really been the best, I would say, the best offensive lineman for this unit this year. So um, definitely hope that he's fine for the Patriots game. Now, I do want to say this real quick. There's a lot of things you think about in life. If you take a left instead of a right, you go upstairs instead of downstairs, you know, everything could change. Your whole pattern of life could change. And I also think about that in football games as well. There was a play that happened. I think this could have changed the – I don't know if it would have changed the outcome of the game – but this could have altered the whole course of the game flow is when the Gi- uh, when the Lions had a fourth and two on the Cowboy 48. And at the time, I was sitting there going, they're not really about to punt, are they? Are they about to punt right now? It's 27-21. They were down by six, and it's fourth and two, and they're at the Cowboys 48. And then Michael Bennett jumps off sides to give the Lions a first down. Now, the Cowboys end up surviving, and they end up being okay. But I thought that was a huge play in this game or could have been potentially a huge play in this game because these are, again, turnovers and penalties continue to be a problem. Um, a few drops today as well, but I'm not mad at the receiving core. But turnovers and penalties continue to be a problem. I thought that was one play that was real interesting in this game and really could have changed things a little bit. Yeah, and, th- and that that's a good point. But anyway, one play that I'll, I'll point out um, that stood out for me was uh, – for for multiple reasons was at the end of the game the throw to Blake Jarwin on the last drive I thought that was pretty big because it's like you know they could have just tried to run out the clock um keep it on the ground but uh, it, it goes along what I think I I don't know I'm not Dak and I'm sure we'll talk to him and, and we'll ask him on Thursday but it has to go a long way when your offensive coordinator when you know the situation you're in it's a one possession game and you're trying to milk the clock and the, and the offensive coordinator and the head coach both say you know what we're going to put it in your hands. We trust you to make the right decision. And he did make the right decision. And Blake Jarwin picked up a nice game and that iced the game. And I thought that was a, I think that's one of those, like, you know, you were talking about Jason Garrett's subliminal messages to the defense with the punt. I think that was a huge message to Dak and the identity of this team kind of, where it's like, you know, we we're riding with Dak's arm, even at the end when some, you see the Patriots make those kind of plays with Tom Brady 
Yeah, now the Cowboys are starting to do it with Dak, and that's really encouraging. My big thing about that is, though, is like my entire time covering the Cowboys, it's always been Jason Garrett as head coach. And he's always notorious about like, you know, he doesn't know what we're talking about. He doesn't know what the fans are saying. All that. I mean, maybe I'm just because I haven't covered anybody else, but I really feel like always the very next game, they do something that everyone's asking, why did you do this? Why didn't you do this? Like, it was like <laughs> they went out of their way to be like, hey, everyone's kind of honest about not letting Dak just try and win this game. Uh, let's just let him throw and we'll let him try and yeah. win the game late instead of just hand the ball off like we normally do. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just really weird how they like respond to what everybody, what is the narrative on the outside, even though they are notorious for saying how they don't have any idea what's being said on the outside. Cause that's what I thought of when I saw that play. And, and didn't someone write something about Blake Jarwin this week too, where it was uh get Blake Jarwin more involved. I heard just that. Saying. I heard, I heard that was somebody <laughs> with the athletic. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. It's always good to see when we can get more Jarwin. Involved. So, Hey, and real quick, I didn't see it um, because it happened so quick and I didn't get a chance to see the replay, but when I was listening on the radio call, Brad Sham said that Blake Jarwin was wide open on the heat check throw to uh, Tavon Austin. It was almost the interception. I guess he was wide open down the middle of the field. So it could have potentially been an even bigger game for him than it was. All right, that would have been huge. Uh, okay, so guys, we will uh, wrap this up. We're going to have a big one uh, coming up later in the week when we get you ready for Cowboys Patriots in Foxborough next Sunday. The Eagles lose to the Patriots. They're 5-5. Five and five. Cowboys are 6-4. and four. Lead the NFC North. We'll have an update on the Lyle Collins injury. We'll let you know who else has uh, been hurt or any of the big storylines throughout the week in the locker room. Saad and John are in the locker room covering this team all of the time. And we'll have you ready for a big preview episode coming up uh, later in the week here on The Athletic. Please uh, check out The Athletic, all the great works. Follow everyone on Twitter uh, that's worked for The Athletic, whether it be Saad or John. Uh, or myself, I'm at KT Fun Tweets. You guys want to give out your Twitter accounts and all that good stuff? You should probably do that. It's good, you know, to brand yourself like that. Yeah, I'm at Saad Yusuf 126. That's S A A D Y O U S U F 126. And I'm at John Machota, J O N M A C H O T A. Hey, before we close this, real quick though, yes, sir. Uh, they beat the they beat the Patriots. Does that completely give them a pass for losing to the Jets? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not going to say a pass, but I'm. I, I mean, because honestly, this, this Patriots game is to me the difference in how much that December 22nd game would would matter potentially. I mean, we'll see how the, how the Eagles fare against the Seahawks next week. But the Eagles, the Eagles have two more tough games this season. It's the Seahawks next week, and it's the Cowboys on December 22nd. I think the yeah. Eagles can pretty much sleepwalk their way into nine wins now. So yeah. I think, you know, I, I don't know if you get a pass for that Jets game because it's still not where you need to be in terms of the amount of wins to go ahead and, you know, moonwalk into the playoffs. Yeah, and I think it would have gotten a little bit more of a pass if if you had at least beat the Vikings, I think, because you had that game. And the Patriots game was always one, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself. I know we're going to get into this on Thursday, but basically the Patriots game was always, for me, one that was like you, you had a pass to lose that game. But then combined with the fact that you lost a winnable game against the Vikings and a game you should have won against the Jets. And by the way, even though the, the Patriots beat the Eagles, they looked very vulnerable today and they looked extremely vulnerable against the Ravens two weeks ago. So now it's one of those games where it's like, you know, 
you really they don't look as dominant as they did in the first whatever it was like eight weeks and so now you get less of a pass for just like you know laying an egg in that game because i don't think this is the big bad patriots that that we're all thinking about don't get me wrong they're still great but i don't think they're the big bad patriots uh i think that team is the ravens right now and so uh and so you know i i think i kind of have expectations for them to go get a win all right i do too but we'll have a, a really hardcore breakdown coming up Later on in the week. Also, thanks to our producer at Kent Garrison. Uh, Kent always holding it down for us, and he'll be uh, running the show and getting us going later on in the week. Cowboys Patriots preview coming up later in the week on The Athletic, which you can also follow at The Athletic on Twitter or at The Athletic DFW as well. For John Mashoda, the father, for Saad Youssef, for Kent Garrison, and for myself, KT, Cowboys win 35 27, first place in the NFC East. And we will preview Cowboys and Patriots in the next episode of About Them Cowboys. Cowboys.